Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. And we have a big UFC Fight Night card coming up this weekend from Austin, Texas. Headlined by Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett. Now, a couple housekeeping notes before we get started here with these interviews. Unfortunately, some audio issues with the Josh Emmett interview. You can still listen to it. It'll be on the show. It's just not going to sound as crisp as perhaps most of my other interviews do. I don't know what was up with his phone. But uh, sadly, audio quality, not ideal. And two other interviews, Gilbert Burns and Jasmine Jasu DeVicious. Jasu DeVicious. Unfortunately, were taped last week. Not unfortunately, great interviews nonetheless, but uh, might be a little bit dated. I'm going to try to edit out the questions that refer to the upcoming UFC 275 card. These got uploaded, of course, to our TSN website, so it's not like I was holding on to these for, for this week in particular. But I do like to share these interviews. Gilbert Burns' interview, I think, very, very interesting. And, of course... Jasmine is fighting this weekend at UFC Fight Night in Austin, Texas. And so are. Adrian Yanez will be uh, part of that as well. Kevin Holland, they will be joining me as well. Two uh, natives, I guess, residents of Texas. I think Kevin Holland's actually from California. Both guys are living in Texas. Adrian Yanez from Houston. And, of course, Kevin Holland trains in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So they will be joining me as well. And uh, the two main eventers, of course, Calvin Cater and Josh Emmett, will get the show kicked off. The standard edition of the TSN MMA Show podcast is currently up. It's myself and Bazooka Joe recapping an incredible UFC 275 card and an interview with uh, Robert Rampa from the Czech Republic to discuss the meaning of having a champion from the Czech Republic. So few fighters from the Czech Republic have even made it to the UFC, let alone risen to the top of a division to become champion. You saw the reception for Yuri Prokhazhka in his native Czech Republic. So we will discuss that, uh, or we did discuss that rather on the other standard edition of the podcast. So check that out if you'd like to subscribe. And hey, if you do subscribe, feel free to leave us a nice rating, nice review. We always appreciate that. So let's get right into it. Here is my interview with Calvin Cater, followed by Josh Emmett, Kevin Holland, Adrian Yanez, Gilbert Burns, and Jasmine Jasadavicious. He is the Boston finisher, Calvin Cater. Now, that's a hard lit nickname to live up to. I'm going to put you on the spot here, give you a little trivia. How many of the current top 10 featherweights have been finished in the last three years in a fight? That's a good question. Um, how many of the top 10 featherweights have been finished? I would say 50%. One. One person in the last three years has been finished in a fight in the top 10 of the featherweight division. You zombie? are the shark tank of shark tanks. Yes, it was uh, the Korean zombie this year. In the last three years, wow. none of the top ten, aside from him, have lost inside the distance in a fight. That's crazy. That's a that's a crazy statistic right there. I gotta do a, I gotta do a better job. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, if you live up to the Boston finisher name, you'll have fifty percent of the finishes of the last three years of the top ten uh, members of your of your division. Shit. Yeah, I gotta start stepping it up, man. We gotta get some finishes. That that doesn't make any damn sense, but that's crazy. Well, again, I think it just goes to show this might be the best top ten in the history of any division ever. It's like a, it is a literal shark tank at featherweight. It's unbelievable. Yeah, nowadays there's no easy fights in the top ten of the UFC. Um, the sport's growing, and it's great to see. Yeah, I did a piece actually a couple of weeks ago after Mofsar Evloev's win over Dan Ige, where you can just pull every name out of a hat in the top ten, and you'll get a great fight. It just seems like one of the big issues that this de- department, sorry, the division rather, has had is that. 
all of the contenders keep beating each other. So it's hard for people to rise to the top of the division. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that happens, man. In this sport, it's, uh, it's a little different than boxing where they kind of build them up a little bit more, get those super fights in here. It's sink or swim. But Hey, you're right there. I think a win for you and another main event is your fourth straight. I think that you're going to face the winner of, uh, Volkanovski and Max. In my opinion, I think that you have the best resume of anybody else in the division right now. Yeah, I like the way you think. We got to get you a matchmaking job at the UFC. No, you don't. I don't want that job. That sounds like a horrific job, and I don't know how those guys do it. A lot of pressure, man. But uh, yeah, they were they were talking about giving uh, what was it Giga that title fight? Should he have beat me, right? But um, yeah, I I don't focus on really that stuff so much. I can't control it, and my control is just you know going out and handling business on Saturday night. And uh, I know with a win there. Uh, I'll be one step closer. Well, I'll admit that I was partially part of that Giga Choir. I said, you need to wait before the end of that event before you decide who's next. Because if Giga beats somebody as good as Calvin Cater, then maybe he does deserve the shot. That's, that was how I framed it. I didn't say it's time to pass over Calvin Cater. I said if Giga can prove that he's that good, then hey, maybe he does deserve a shot. Yeah. Yeah, hey, he, he was on a tear. Um, you know, that's... He was doing his thing, and then, um, I mean, I'm not sure how many top 10, top 15 guys he had faced up to that point, but, um, yeah, he, he was, uh, what, 7-0 or some, something like that, 7-8-0, so um, done what he had to do with everybody he's been in there with up to that point, and uh, I was just, you know, focused on getting a strong rebound after the max fight, and, uh, and it made for a hell of a main event, and I think we got another one ahead of us on Saturday night. Well, I thought of an idea for the uh, Boston Cartel, or New England Cartel, rather, uh, merch shop. It's just a shirt that says, I survived the Giga Kick, and you just sell that to people. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I mean, that's the difficult part about just kind of having, um, you know, one thing that you're really kind of known for. Not to say he doesn't have other weapons, but, you know, if your focus is just on one thing, it's, it's, it comes a little bit more predictable. And in this, like you said, this talent-based weight class, guys are just um, so much more well-rounded nowadays. You just, you got to always be adapting, always be learning and improving uh, for the next killers, the next generation of killers. One thing I wish I would have remembered going into that fight is that you were training with Ross Levine, who I think is probably the best person on the planet you can get to emulate Giga. Yeah, man, he was sending in some uh, some Giga kicks, but with about 20, 30 at least pounds more behind it. So it, it didn't make it for an easy camp, but it made for an easier fight. Now let's look ahead to Josh Emmett. This is the only thing on your mind. You've always said the, the biggest fight in your career is the next fight. Tell me about mm-hmm. how you think you match up against Josh Emmett, because this guy's a very dangerous fighter. He has probably among the heaviest hands of anybody in the division. Uh, yeah, show me a fight in the top you know, five top ten, that isn't a really dangerous fight, you know. It's uh pick pick your choice and right now a lot of the guys are busy. I prefer to stay busy myself. So um <clears throat> you know, I know Emmett's a tough fighter and uh like I kinda mentioned before, it's just you want main event opportunities, big moment opportunities, you don't really get them unless you have a strong uh, opponent. So um I, I welcome uh, Josh Emmett. And uh, may the best man win on Saturday. If this is what we got to do in order to get a big main event fight, like you said, fourth in a row. I've been accustomed to fighting these types of guys. And um, I don't want the easy route, man. I want the earned route. And this way, when I get it, they, they can't say, I didn't, I didn't earn it. 
I watched the uh, UFC Destin series, and you have some roots in this area in Austin. You're very familiar with the area. So tell me a bit about that. In uh, Austin, you said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My sister, she uh, married a cowboy out here in uh, Texas. Met him uh, a few years back, and uh, she just had a baby uh, last month. So pretty excited about that. I met him this week while I was out here. Um, <clears throat> got an Airbnb for the 10 days we're out here so. And it, it was it was special, man. It's, um, you know, everything kind of slows down, gets put in perspective when, when you get to meet your first time nephew. And, um, yeah, so it's going to be great, man. we got a big group coming from New England, and they all get to meet my, my sister's baby. My nephew, Blue, is his name. And, um, and, and we'll have a whole bunch of Texans out here to collide with the New England family. It's going to make for a hell of a, a week, weekend out here, and... I'm excited to just be around all the friends and family, um, you know, this weekend. Interesting in an Airbnb, we can tell from behind you, you're not in a hotel room. How far away from downtown Austin are you? Because I imagine that's a dangerous place to be when you're cutting weight. Yeah, you ain't lying. You can tell because they got these sliding, like, ranch-looking doors, right? All that cool shit. Um, these awesome people know how to set it up right. And uh, they all drive around golf carts to downtown, bringing home that barbecue. My team... You know, doesn't miss over here, hit barbecue left and right. I've been smelling it all week. And um, I've been out here before. Like I said, my sister moved out here, so uh, I get plenty of it. But I got a lot of good eating lined up for after the fight. The whole team, you know, got the best taco spots in town and uh, best barbecue. So can't wait to just get my fixings um, after the fight. And just keep Cerrone away from those taco joints before the night of the fight. That's all I ask. But uh, in terms of... Uh, your, your um, former opponent, Shane Burgos, he actually, during fight week, loves being around food. He says that it, like, motivates him to cut weight, gets him hungry. He actually helped Josh Emmett during this camp. But is that how you feel about food during fight week, or do you hate being around it? No, I mean, I like to see people happy, enjoying it. We're only out here for so long. We've got, um, got some people that have never been here before, so I want them to experience it, take it all in. And, yeah, I like to be around it. I like to enjoy it. I smell it. I like to watch them eat it. I'll tell them. You know, I'll, like, direct them, uh, like, listen, you should do this with that. You know, you're kind of missing out. And, um, and, and, yeah, I take full advantage of watching them enjoy themselves. And when I'm on fight week, it's like no one can stop time. I'll be eating in less than a week. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that as well. Your fight with Giga might have been the fight of the year. Up until this past weekend, where an honorary member of the New England cartel, Glover Teixeira, went to war with Yuri Prokashka. Did you watch this fight, and what were your emotions like watching it? Man, I was pulling for him, um, even though I'm a fan of both. Um, 30 more seconds, he might have held on to that thing, man. He was, yeah, I think his best round might have been that fifth round. And then uh, just got caught up in that choke. But um, hell of a fight, man. I love his attitude. You know, he's like, do I, do I look 40-something? He's like, then, I'll keep, then I guess I'll keep going. <laughs> uh, you got to respect the mindset. You got to respect uh, what it takes to be at that, you know, at that age and just still – getting after it man i respect the hell out of it so uh wish the best for him and congrats to the new champ and you saw his response back home when he went there that's something special man and it's great to see him inspiring his people it's unbelievable how he fights because his fighting style is almost predicated on making mistakes while making your opponent make mistakes at the same time because it's just out and out chaos i don't know how somebody can go into a, a fight with that mindset but he manages to do it and has obviously risen to the uh, the top of the division doing so yeah, and then how do you prepare for a guy like that, man? You got to play a lot of Mortal Kombat, um, you know, video games in order to prepare for Jiri. 
Yeah, it's like a Tekken. He's like the, the Czech <laughs> member of the, the Tekken squad. Uh, uh, I don't know if you can... played that game. <laughs> yeah, man. He's, he's fun to watch. You never, you know, you just don't know what you're going to see next. And that's part of the excitement. And uh, it's part of the reason why he's so dangerous. You know, he, he's uh, a fun fighter to watch. And, and yeah, it was uh, it, it was a fun one for the fans, let alone uh, Ioana, you know, and, and, uh, and was it? Whaley. It was his... Whaley, yeah, I can never really pronounce that, but um, hell of a fight there. Starts here uh, throwing the towel a little bit, but uh, hell of a career and, and exciting fight for both of them. So it was actually turned out to be a great card. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was probably the card of the year so far, but maybe you'll be able to break that this weekend. It's yourself, Josh Emmett, in the main event. Looking forward to seeing you perhaps have 50% of the last, in the last three years of uh, finishes among those in the, uh, the top 10 of the featherweight division. Uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon, and uh, best of luck on Saturday. Likewise. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate the time. I'm now joined by the man who statistically has the heaviest hands in the featherweight division, the most knockdowns in the history of the division. In fact, there's only one featherweight that has more knockdowns per 15 minutes than you, Josh Emmett. Do you have any idea who that is? I think it's Stevens. Uh, he has me by one, right? Conor McGregor, actually. Conor McGregor, by, in terms of knockdowns per 15 minutes, is uh, the, the most in featherweight history. Oh, wow. wow, okay. But you have more knockdowns than him, so we'll just, we'll just go with that, since uh, we want to we emphasize the stat that makes you number one. Now, I asked Kelvin Cater the same question, and this, this is a stat that completely blew my mind. In the last three years, if you look at the current top 10 featherweights, how many of them have been stopped inside the distance, and if, if you were to guess, in the last three years? Twenty. One. One of wow. the top ten featherweights right now has been stopped in the last three years inside the distance. It's an unbelievable stat, and I think it really emphasizes just how strong this featherweight top ten is. It might be the best top ten really in the history of the UFC. It's a, really a stacked division. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I feel like the featherweights and the lightweights are some of the, the toughest and most stacked divisions. And of course, bantamweights and so many other uh, weight classes, but I feel like it's, uh, it's an average weight class for a lot of people, and uh, yeah, it, it, I would agree with you, though. It's a very tough division to stay atop of. Uh, you were obviously in the top 10 and headlining this weekend's card against Calvin Cater. Uh, what do you think of Calvin's game and, and the kind of fighter that he is compared to how, how you are? Right? You know, you're a powerful striker. He's more of a precision fighter, great boxer. How do you think you match up against him? Yeah, I think I match up great. You know, I fought a lot of people that have you know, that are his height, his reach. I fought people that have longer reach. So I, I fought so many people in my career uh, with similar styles to Calvin. Uh, I, I think he's a great fighter. You know, he's a, he's a technical fighter, like you said, slick boxing. He's good everywhere. Comes from a great camp. Um, yeah, he, he's savage. He's a dog. You know, he's, uh, I think some of his strongest attributes are his his heart, his, um, he's always going to be in your face. He's always coming forward. He's super durable as well. Um, but man, I, I think I'm a great, I'm a great fighter. I'm a great boxer. Um, I'm, you know, mixed martial artist. I'm, I'm prepared and willing to go wherever the fight goes. I can win the fight anywhere. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for this. Now, one of those fighters that's very similar to Calvin is a former opponent of Calvin's as well. And a former opponent of yours, uh, that would be Shane Burgos. So you brought out to train with you for this particular fight. How did that come about? How, you know, how did you, the two of you get talking? Yeah, it went well. You know, uh, Shane, he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he 
he's a big featherweight for the division. He has a long reach. Um, you know, I, we have so many training partners, and I, I've, you know, used Andre Fui, one of my uh, friends and one of my main training partners over the years. Um, and so, you know, he had a fight coming up, and then my coaches and I, we were all talking about um, a, a different type of look, and, and Burgos's name came up, and, you know, we, we reached out to him, and we've always, like, you know, chatted here and there on uh, Instagram, like stories and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, he, he was all about it. So he, he came out. I flew his brother and him out here. Um, their first time to California, uh, we did a lot of, you know, MMA sparring, boxing sparring. Um, we just worked two to three times a week for, or I mean a day for a week. And uh, yeah, it was great. You know, he's uh, he helped me a lot. And it he ever needed any help in the camp, I'll definitely return the favor. Yeah, he is a huge guy for the division. You know, I, I was backstage with him before his last fight um, at MSG, and I oh. saw I saw him. It was I guess the Friday night, so like the ceremonial weigh-ins, and I had just interviewed Ally Akinta, and then I was about to interview Shane. And I looked at him and I go, "There's no way that you weigh less than Ally Akinta right now. He's fighting up a division from you. That guy has to be probably a buck ninety on fight night." Yeah, it's crazy. Like I, uh, the, the first time I ever met Shane, it was actually in New York as well. When I fought in Buffalo, we were uh, we were training, you know, in the workout rooms, and uh, he was working with his coach, just ripping the pads. And I asked my coach, I was like, "This is when I was fighting at 155," um, and I was like, "Oh, did, who's this guy? Does he, he fight at welterweight? I thought he was welterweight, big as hell." And uh, and they're like, "No, he fights at 45." And I was like, "No way!" So I was like, "Maybe I'm in the wrong weight class," but. He, uh, he does blow up. It's, it, he's a big featherweight. So that, that's kind of why I, I brought him out for the camp. I uh, got some work with him. Yeah, I was going to say, your fight after Des Green was your featherweight debut in the UFC. <laughs> so it, was he the inspiration, potentially, to, to get you to the weight class where you've really thrived? Yeah, and that, that was always the goal for me. Uh, once I got in the UFC, I, I wanted to go to featherweight. But I got in at 55. I was a, a lightweight champion on a regional scene in Sacramento. So I, I was doing well. I was undefeated. I was... 2-0 in the UFC, so I was 11-0. I, uh, I fought Desmond Green, and I still feel like I won that fight, but I got a split decision loss in his hometown, but I was grateful for it because that made me say, okay, well, now this is the time to go to featherweight, what I always wanted to do, and if I had gotten my hand raised that night, like I wouldn't have gone down to featherweight being you know, 12-0, and uh, undefeated in the UFC, you know, so I'm, I'm grateful for uh, the way everything's kind of worked out in my, my career. You were 31 when you got to the UFC. What took you, I guess, so long to get to the position that you were in uh, to make it to the, the big show? I know that Uriah Faber was a, a major player in terms of getting you into MMA in the first place. Yeah, so I, um, and I, I've always been a fan of the sport. Um, I'm lucky that I'm from Sacramento, so one of the best gyms in the world for the lighter weights was built in my backyard. Um, I remember Uriah coming to one of my junior college meetings in 2005, handing out flyers about a gym, and I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go check this out after the season's up. I went in there, signed up, started taking classes, and then, um, you know, I, I decided, I was doing that for like six months, and then I, I got it like a wrestling scholarship, so I, I wanted to go away and, and get my degree. In case the fighting didn't work out, this was all part of my plan. I also wanted to wrestle at the four-year level to get better at wrestling, so it would transition over to MMA. And then I, you know, I left for three years, came back in 2010, had some amateur fights, um, and then went pro. And I, my goal was only to fight for the UFC, the biggest 
platform in the world. Uh, I got offered to fight in other organizations, but you know, I, I didn't want to do that. And so it just took me a while to get there. Um, and I, I started like, but I, I feel the best I've ever felt. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of the, the whole um, backstory in a short version of how I got to the UFC uh, so late. I didn't have my first amateur fight until I was 26. Yeah, that's pretty unbelievable. And you told the story on UFC Destined that they called you and they're like, hey, how'd you like to fight in the Netherlands? And you were like, yeah, sure. And then you didn't realize it was like six days later, <laughs> six days after the phone call? Yeah, yeah, it was like, I think it was like five days or four, something like that. It was, I didn't even know who I was fighting too. I, I was so excited because I got the call and then I hung up and they're like, who are you fighting? I was like, shit, I don't know. Uh, so I, I had to... <laughs> I had to get back on the phone with my manager and say, uh, who am I fighting, by the way? I, I could care less who I was fighting. I just needed to get in there. And then I flew across the world on a, a four-day notice, cut the weight, uh, and, and beat a tough John Tuck and, and started to show how, you know, just uh, kind of my run at uh, everything and kind of how I got it. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate it, Josh. Main event this weekend yourself, Calvin Cater. Looking forward to it and wishing you the best of luck. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. You have a good one. Celebrating the four-year anniversary of being on the Dana White Contender Series just three days ago, he's Kevin Holland, and you fought 14 times since then. This is going to be your 15th fight. You've moved to welterweight. Are you still able to have that kind of activity at this weight class? Yeah, I mean, I got activity wherever I am, and I can still fight at 85 too, so it doesn't matter. Have you adjusted your walk-around weight? Are you walking around lighter these days? I mean, no, not really. I was walking around on 192, 196 for 85. I walk around 192, 196 for 170 pounds. So it's all I just didn't really cut weight at 85. What's the shortest notice you think you could take a welterweight fight? Uh, no, I mean, honestly, I prefer to do it the right way. So I don't really see myself taking a second fight at 170 pounds. Nobody's really worth it at 170 pounds to take a last second fight. You know? Yeah, and a couple of your previous opponents are actually on the same card with you. Uh, have you seen Kyle Dawkins or uh, Joaquin Buckley at the hotel or anything like that? Of course I've seen my son. That's my son. I mean, I couldn't see myself going around without seeing my son. So I've seen Joaquin Buckley, but uh, no, I haven't seen Dawkins or any of the other guys. Your fight with him was um, obviously stopped due to a, an accidental clash of heads. We saw this past weekend, I don't know if you saw the co-main event between Valentin Shevchenko and Tyler Santos, they had a clashing of heads that, and the fight kind of continued. How much of an effect do you think that would have on Tyler Santos? Because a lot of people thought that she had won the first three rounds, and of course, things went south after that clash of heads. I mean, I'm pretty sure things did go south after the clash of heads. She couldn't see out of one eye, so <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it affected the fight. Uh, yeah, I was surprised that the doctor didn't stop it after the fourth round. It seemed like the doctor came in and said, hey, can you see? She said, yeah. And then it's like, okay, cool. And then they just continued. So I, I feel bad for her for having to go through that because obviously it's the opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, but, you know, we're all warriors here. I don't think, you know, it's part of the game, you know. Had they got headbutt and they set out a loss off the headbutt, it would have been whatever. You know what I mean? It's part of the game. You just take whatever comes with it and you just roll with it. No reason to complain about it. I think that's what has made you so successful in the UFC is you're just kind of always on to the next one. Uh, Tim Means, of course, is that next one this weekend. What do you think of his game? He's somebody who used to fight at 55, has been at 170 for some time now. His fighting style is very, very interesting and kind of similar to yours in a way. I think that on the ground you'll have a big advantage. I think you'll be a lot bigger than he is. But what can you tell me about Tim Means? I've just seen Tim. Tim's taller than me, low-key bigger than me. 
uh, I don't know how he ever made 155 pounds. Uh, but nah, he's a veteran. He has a strong clinch game, a strong overall game period. So it's going to be a fun fight. Look forward to going out there and being the better athlete and the better martial artist. You're going to be fighting in front of a crowd. I know you did last time as well at the, uh, the pay-per-view event. This time it's in Austin, Texas. What have you thought of the city so far? I know you live in Texas, but uh, in Austin it's a little bit of a different vibe. Yeah, I mean, Fort Worth and uh, the DFW and Houston, definitely better than Austin. Uh, Austin's pretty cool, though. I mean, Texas is still Texas, and uh, you see, I keep looking up, keep looking at the tall buildings and stuff. I mean, I love the city. I mean, I love the state. So either way, you know, it's Texas. I mean, I show up and I show out when I'm out here, so we'll have fun. Austin's not the best city to have to cut weight in. There's just so many good food options out there. I, I keep talking to the different fighters, and they're having a hard time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. Professional professional. So it wouldn't matter if there was a, my favorite food in front of me or, or my least favorite food in front of me. The weight cut's the weight cut, so I'll do what I have to do. And then after the weight cut's over, we can go ahead and enjoy ourselves. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Greenville was harder than this because Greenville had so much different exotic food that I had never tried before and that I wanted to try. So, yeah, I think Greenville is a little more, a little more difficult than I don't know anything yeah, about Greenville. Greenville's a good food city. I've never, I don't, I, like I said, I don't know anything about that particular city. What was it like being out there? Yeah, I don't know anything about it either, but I know when I was there, <laughs> they had some bomb, bomb food. Everything about them was good food. So uh, I might have to go back there again just to enjoy the food. Whatever street it was that we were on for the fights was, it was just amazing. The vibe, the food, uh, just overall energy out there was just wonderful. I know somebody in your division would probably take you under his wing for a little bit. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, he trains out there. You should give him a call. <laughs> no, nah, I don't plan on getting anybody a call that trains in my division. I plan on the UFC calling them for me to smack them. That's about it. <laughs> no offense, though, because Wonderboy is a very, very nice person. That would be an awesome fight, though. I think, I think we're thinking um, in, the same, in the same way here. That would be a really interesting one if, if they were to plan something maybe back out in South Carolina or anywhere else, really. I mean, I don't really think it's that interesting. I think I win that fight, clearly, but yeah, for sure. So this is your second fight of the year. Ideally, how many more times would you like to fight by the end of the year? Three. There's no reason to stop fighting five times in a year. I think five times in a year is a good number. Uh, six atop the record, but I doubt that'll happen. So if they can give me uh, another 85 fight, I could think we could do five, no problem. Have they spoken to you about Dallas at all? Obviously, it's at the end of July. Uh, an 85 fight you could probably make for, for that particular location. There wouldn't be much trouble for you. So I was actually going to try and be the replacement for Paulo Costa um, and uh, Luke Chokehold. But uh, no, that right there didn't work out because they went to a different state. But I'm still down to be last second for those guys because uh, both of them are known for pulling vaginal muscles. So I'm down. I don't have the injury reports. Like I can't verify that that's that's what the the injuries have been. But I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, I think vaginal is right. <laughs> well, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, Kevin. Uh, best of luck this weekend against Tim Means. It's great to see you in the welterweight division, and it's gonna be fun watching you bounce between divisions. I think there's a lot of really fun fights out there for you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I look forward to having a good time this Saturday, and look forward to talking to you again soon, my man. He's one of the top bantamweight prospects in the UFC right now. And finally, fighting in the state of Texas for the first time during his UFC tenure. 
Adrian Yanez. I know you would rather be fighting in Houston, but Texas, you know, it's a little bit of an appetizer for what I'm sure will be an eventual fight in your home city. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. It's in the state of Texas, man. I, Man, my career, all my whole entire career before I got into the contenders was here in the U.S. It was here in Texas, so I'm glad just to even be back. So on my end, it's super cool because my family's going to be here, so I'm super excited and super stoked for that because, man, they haven't been to one of my fights in so long, so uh, I'm just excited that they're going to be there. And you're facing Tony Kelly, who... I'm sure you're getting lots of questions about this. Made some controversial statements in the corner of his, uh, I guess, girlfriend, Andrea Lee, when he coached her a couple weeks ago. And since then, it seems like you've become an honorary Brazilian. A lot of people are sending you messages supporting you in this particular fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've gotten I've gotten plenty of messages. I got plenty of voice messages and everything. So a lot a lot of support coming from coming from Brazil. So, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it, man. If they want to see me knock them out. I've been wanting to knock him out for a while already, so, uh, you know, ever since he called me out. So, uh, same motivation for me to fight, same motivation, nothing's been added, but the fact that I got more fans wanting to see me do it, man, it's an extra bonus. I don't know how many of your family members are coming to this event, but if you can get the all-chant Uvai Morer when he's coming out to the cage, it'll make him feel like he's facing a Brazilian fighter and maybe maybe throw him off. Oh yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I, you know, I was I was gonna try try to see if I could do uh, the the Brazilian the Brazilian color of shorts, but I was like, no, let me let me let me try to get for this Texas red. But you know, they they're not doing that. So, okay, do you not not get to choose your uh, short color for this particular fight? I got I got to choose, but there weren't there weren't many options. Oh, so they're not letting you come out with like green and yellow. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't be able to come out with the the red, white, and blue of the Texas State, you know. So, uh, yeah, shoot, that that had a color over my uh, Texas flag mouthpiece. So, you know, it's kind of sucked. Well, okay, so yeah, they're really going to the extreme with uh, not having flags in the octagon of any sort. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, all right, I get it. Luckily, I have another mouthpiece because I don't want the taste of sharpie on my on my mouth. Yeah, can you get a don't mess with Texas one? Like, if it just says that in text. You know what? I, that's actually a good. I should actually probably do that. I should actually probably do that because, like, oh, as the long Texas as you think one. Me in your post by yeah, case, yeah. By, by all means. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. You don't mess with Texas. Yeah, Tony Kelly's coming in here. Yeah, nah, I like it. Well, I mentioned the Calvin Cater yesterday. You're in Austin, Texas, which is one of the worst cities to have to cut weight in because the food options are so plentiful. Uh, how's the experience been for you so far this week? Man. Uh, like I've been here before, uh, man, I'm like, just like two to three hours away. So like, I know the food, the food is just delicious. So it's like, it's easier for me. Cause I just like to, uh, I just like to get my meals from the UFC and then just kind of just go about my day. And it's easy. It's getting a lot easier for me not to like, be like, all right, well, I, like it's easier for me to see the, the deadline and be like, all right, cool. Saturday night. I get to go. Like I have like hot Cheetos, Kit Kats. Like I'm about to go go to the store and get my Dr Pepper for the celebration after. So, you know. <laughs> so it's easy it's pretty easy for me cuz I can see the deadline. I can see the finish line right right around the corner. So to me it doesn't bother me as much cuz I know I'm going to go to town right after the fight. So, it's easier for me. So I hear you're like me. You, you are a converted to Dr. Zevia guy. Because I was a big Dr. Pepper guy growing up, but I don't have a lot of sugar anymore. I've cut sugar out of my diet pretty much entirely. 
but I'm big on Dr. Zevia, and I, I hear that you're on that train as well. Yeah, no, Dr. Zevia has been been where it's at these past couple of weeks, man. Like I, I try to just cut Dr. Pepper cold turkey and everything, but like I just was just craving it, and then I got Dr. Zevia, and after I got the Dr. Zevia, I was just like, this is an absolute close. Like this is the closest thing that I can get to Dr. Pepper right now, and this is like, it's doing, it's hitting all the spots for me so i'm good like i love it it's my it's one of those drinks that i'm probably gonna incorporate in every single one of my training camps and i'm trying to wean myself off of sodas and everything so we just got dr zevia in canada we've had zevia but not that particular flavor we just got creamy root beer and dr zevia and i i haven't had dr pepper for several years and i know when i was in the states i'd go to whole foods and i always get a dr zevia and i it, it just you, you get that taste and uh, i'm happy that this product exists yeah, no, it's me too. We like, fortunately for us, we got black cherry cola, uh, uh, cherry cola, Doctor Zevia, lemon lime, root beer, ginger ale. Like, we have so many flavors down here, so I have a plethora to choose from. But still, my favorite is Doctor Zevia. We need uh, we need the the cherry cola one down here. I'm, I'm I'm waiting on that one. That that will be a nice refresher. Oh yeah, no, it tastes good, definitely. Now, I want to ask you about your training for this particular fight. Uh, I imagine a lot has changed in your life uh, when, since your, your coach, uh, Saul Solis, unfortunately passed away. He was your head coach. And your father passed away several years ago. So you've had a really rough go for losing two very important father figures in your life. How much does that have to change? And I imagine it feels like a, a real piece of you is gone when it comes to training now for these fights. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. That. Like that whole Davy Grant fight, I was like pretty much coaching myself. I had my training partner Cameron with me that we're just kind of just like doing things on the, not even on the fly. We, uh, Coach Saw had everything kind of set up for us to do. Like he had a system set up for us and like the system, we just kept that system for that Davy Grant fight. And like kind of just me just coaching myself throughout a lot of the stuff. Cameron helping me out a lot of, a lot of times. Rafi on Stotts. Uh, even though he didn't need to be there, he was there for me every day. And like, yeah, so I felt blessed to have just at least those two great training partners and, uh, just being with me and help, help, like helping me out, you know, uh, this time around for this camp. Uh, so before I got the, or before the fight was booked in May, uh, like in the middle of May, uh, I was, I was starting to work with a coach that a coach, a Muay Thai coach that my that my coach saw was very fond of. Uh, he was very, uh, like, like he never had a bad word to say about him. So whenever I, it was just kind of just an easy, easy in. So whenever I'd ask him if uh, we can do a couple sessions and, you know, after that, it's just kind of just like, Oh, he's the mainstay of my training camp now. And then on top of that, uh, through, uh, that same Muay Thai coach, uh, coach Corley, uh, Eve Edwards happened to show up, happened to, show up that same day and we showed me a couple things and now Eve Edwards is going to be a mainstay so I have two coaches now with me and then also a strength conditioning coach so everything's working out and like I feel like the people that like like it's it's filled with people who know coach saw and like who knew coach saw and like know what he wants and knows what he's like knows how I train because I've been with coach saw for like 10 years so uh, it's it's a easy it's a smooth it's a smoother transition but yeah no I do still feel that uh, you know that little something missing you know in two spots you know I kind of wish I made my like 
I kind of wish like right now it'd be me, Coach Saw, my dad, and my brother going walking out to this fight. But you know, unfortunately, you know it's gonna it's just gonna be my coach Corley, uh, Cameron, and my my brother. Which you know is not a bad second, but you know I just wish it was like the people who started with me were here. You know, but you know, working with people that uh, working with people that that my coach Saw never had a bad thing to say about. So uh, it's a it's a good constellation prize. And because of those circumstances, was the fight with Davy Grant the hardest one you've ever had because of what you had to overcome mentally going into the fight, as opposed to, I mean, not just what you're overcoming mentally in the, the middle of a fight, of course, but knowing that you got through that and you got a win there, does that make you feel like going forward you can pretty much do anything that you put your mind to? Oh, absolutely, because, man, Davy Grant is, like, just an absolute beast man like an absolute beast he's putting people to sleep he's hurting people he has that non-stop forward pressure he just like likes to swing leather and i really admire i really admire a fighter like him because he's just he's just that guy he's such a sweet guy but when he's in the cage he's just trying to knock people's heads off and he does it from bell to bell you can there's never a dull moment he's gonna try to knock you out at every single moment so yeah like i look i I definitely look at that all the stuff that I was going through because, like, during that whole camp, I was like, not only did, not only, because when I whenever my father passed away, I was able to talk to Coach Saul. Uh, but once my once Coach Saul passed away, I had no one else to really kind of like lean on or talk to about any of the stuff that was going on with me. So, uh, yeah, that sucks. So like, it was really hard. There was like, and then I was also kind of taking the coaching position, also at the same time helping other fighters out. So. It it was it was a really stressful time, and then on top of that too, I was I had a pregnant girl that uh, I had a pregnant girlfriend uh, that we that delivered three weeks after the fight, so I was still stressing out about about that too because I was like, man, there's like not only do I have to win this fight, I had, like I, I have to win this fight and be good so I can uh, be there for, for when my baby's born and everything. So I was like, I there was a lot of lot lot riding on on that fight and the fact that I went in there and competed with somebody like a beast like Davy Grant to me is like yeah no if I can do this I can do anything so like it gave me the utmost confidence in a lot of areas well we've always known that you're a supremely talented fighter but to see that kind of resilience I think is very inspiring for anybody who watches you in your career uh, thank you so much for doing this really appreciate it Adrian and best of luck on Saturday against Tony Kelly and appreciate your time yeah thank you so much man thank you for the platform He is Gilbert Dorino Burns, and I'm sure you've all watched Dana White looking for a fight. We're starting to get into Gilbert Burns looking for a fight, season one. Uh, maybe not season one. You're always looking for a fight, so this is a very long series. Uh, tell, me, tell me the latest. What's going on with you? Uh, just getting back, you know, training. I had a little small procedure on my, on my hand. I had a little fracture on my tendon right here. So now it's getting a lot better. I'll be able to punch again in, in, in 10 days. I'm ready to go back in, in full training camp. And I'm looking to get a fight, you know. Uh, I think uh, I show a lot of how a lot of things on that fight that people didn't know, but they, they should know, they didn't know, but now I think everyone knows. And I'm looking f looking forward to get another fight before the end of the year, you know. And then the name that I have on my mind is only two names. It might be Kobe Covington or Jorge Masvidal. was kind of like pointing a little bit more for Masvidal. That's the fight that I want. All right, I'm going to ask you the hardest question you're going to get today. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. Four options, and you have to rank them in order of the one you want the most 
to the one you want the least. We got Masvidal and Colby, who you just mentioned. Hamza Shemaev rematch. Nate Diaz, go. Wow. I'll put Colby first, then Nate. No, I want the rematch, bro. I'm sorry. Number one will be the rematch with Hamza, then Colby, then Nate, then Masvidal. That 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 rematch is is gonna happen, you know. And I'm sure there's no disrespect to Masvidal. There's just a lot of really good options. Not at there. all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. The guy, like all these guys, all these four guys, they 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 have all my respect. They all dangerous. Like Masvidal, a lot of people want to say about that's the crazy thing with MMA. They want to judge you about your last performance. But this guy has over 50 fights. How crazy is that? 50 fights. And not mention the one that he did on the backyard with no gloves. So on me, the way I see fighting, the way I fight, the way I respect fighters, he got a lot of, I got a lot of ton of respect from this guy. You know, I think he, he got crazy knockouts, the one with from with, with Ben Askren, the one with uh with uh, uh Darren Till. So how come you're not respecting these guys? I do respect every single one. And I do believe I'm going to be the shit out of these four guys. I, I see myself in beating these guys. But as of right now, Hamza might be a little bit of a... I think he's going to be busy. I think they're going to promote him with a big fight. Kobe doesn't want to fight. That That is a fact. Nate Diaz, I understand that his case. You know, he might be, I don't know, one fight away. He might fight Hamza. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to chase that fight anymore. And Masvidal is, is the one available. You know, he's the one that that says he's gonna fight. Like I said, I respect him. I think he's a he's a one of the legends of the sport. You know, there's so much from the sport, and uh, I still believe I'm gonna be the shit on him. But I got I respect that guy a lot. I don't know what's happening with Kobe. I, we haven't heard a word out of him, and he's one of the loudest guys out there. I think he talks so much. He got punched so hard that. I don't know. <laughs> it's a little bit weird, right? Guys not talking shit. Guys being quiet. Uh, I think something, you know, something might happen with that incident with Masvidal. You know, he, I don't know. I heard he get problem on his jaw or something. I don't think he's going to fight sooner. If he says something about fighting right now, he got to fight Hamza. I don't think he wants that fight. I said on the beginning, he's not fighting Hamza. The guy is speaking, choosing fights forever. And um, I don't, I hope... Uh, that's one fight that I, that I want, but I don't think he's going to fight me or, or, or Hamza. My guess is that there's litigation or something along those lines is coming up, and he knows that if he does an interview, he's going to say something that he might, he might, might cost him a couple of dineros. <laughs> yes, he's too smart. He's too smart. He's not going to talk shit. He's not going to do an interview. I think he's going to see quiet for maybe maybe a couple more weeks, maybe five, six more weeks. Then he's going to start saying something. Whenever... My guess is whenever Hamza get a fight line up, whenever I have a fight line up, then he's gonna start talking. Well, we'll have to see. I, I think it's probably for legal reasons, but we'll uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Now, Glover Teixeira is fighting this weekend. Uh, another main event for him. If I were to jump in a time machine uh, six years from now and say you're gonna win the title for the first time in your early forties, would you be happy with that? <laughs> No, I want to win the title right now. I don't want to wait until I'm 40-something to get the title. But the goal is to win the title. No, I don't have no age for that. I, I want to win the title. Shit, I don't want to fight until I'm 40, 41. I, I hope I get it done before then. Then I'm retired before 40s. But shit, 
I'm 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 very I'm very like healthy. I can take it, but shit, I don't I don't want to wait to 40, 42 like Glover. I, so much respect to Glover to keep doing that on the highest level. But wow, I hope I get a title before the, that before the 42. I'm wow. guaranteeing you one though here in this scenario. You're guaranteed the title. You just have to wait. You have to keep fighting hard like Glover for seven more years. <laughs> I would, I would, and I will. That's my goal. I'm going. I'm going to become a champion. I don't. I don't care how long it's taking. I don't care how many more wars it's going to take. I'm. 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 That's my goal. I'm going to win the title. You know, it's just a matter of time. But shit. I'm 35. I don't want to wait till 42, 43 to get a title. Don't say that. <laughs> well, Glover's so impressive, and you and Glover have kind of similar yes. uh, skill sets. You're both great boxers, great hands. Your jiu-jitsu, I think, is a higher level than most people in MMA, so that's not a disrespect to Glover. But in terms of the light heavyweight division, no. he's at the very top, I think, him and Paul Craig in yes. terms of submission skills. So uh, I think that your skill set is going to keep you in the sport as long as you want to be there. I think so. In Glover, is a, a big, like, he's a big motivation in that. You know, he inspires me so much. He, uh, I follow the guy and I see his path. It wasn't, it wasn't the easiest path. Everyone can agree with that. Guy for everybody, lost a couple fights, but kept fighting, kept doing his thing, earned everyone respect by fighting, not just talking. And the guy became a champion. He's a, such an inspiration. I, I, I want to follow the same path, not taking easy fights, not picking the fights, fighting everybody, beating the best guys. But I hope it just comes a little quicker than, than 42. Have you ever turned down a fight? I mean, other than for the reasons of injury. But if anybody's ever been matched up with you where you're like, that's not really a good matchup for me right now or that's too low on the totem no. pause, have you ever turned one down? No way. You can ask Joy Silva back in the days. You can ask... Uh, uh, Sean Shelby, Dana White, I never turned down a fight. I turned down a fight when I was a lightweight and I couldn't make the weight. You know, they offered me the fight in three weeks, four weeks. Uh, it's just impossible to make the weight. I said, no, I can't. He's, I want to fight this guy, but I cannot make the weight. But whenever I, w I jump up to 170, I never turned down a fight. You know, they kind of offered me Vicente Luque, but they know I'm not fighting Luque. But we both say no, you know, but other than that, no way I'm turning down a fight. I want to fight everybody. Was that recently? That was before Kamara's fight. That whenever I think uh, Luke beats, he beat someone. I lost to to to. I I I beat Stephen Wonderboy, and then they offered me. They ask. They don't even. Oh, wasn't even official offer. They ask if I would fight Luke. I said no, I'm not fighting Luke. And they, oh, that's the fight that we want to make it. But say I'm not fighting him. He's not fighting me. That was the only thing that happened. Yeah, I can understand you turning down that fight. You guys are like brothers, so I mean, it's you know yeah. nobody's gonna fault you for that one. Um, Luke's got a fight coming up, does he not? I think he's got something lined up, right? Yeah, he does. He's fighting Joff New. If I'm not wrong, it's August six. Gonna be helping him to that fight. I think almost sure he's gonna do his camp here, same for MMA, and uh, it's gonna be a big month, good comeback for him. You know, he got that loss for Bilal Muhammad, and I'll be helping out my brother too. My brother Herbert Burn, he's back. You know, he had a knee surgery, now he's back. He got a fight coming up on uh, July 16th, so I'm gonna be training but helping those two guys in, on the training camping. I heard you did an interview with Brendan Shaw. You were talking about how your older brother was friends with, with Rafael Dos Anjos back in Brazil a long time yeah. ago. Tell me about your older brother. Yeah. We don't know much about him. 
He's a Navy SEAL now in Brazil. He's, he's a badass. It's a, it's a different kind. Of, it is a Navy SEAL, but in Brazil, we don't go, we don't send the guys to war. It's a little bit different. He works as a Navy SEAL, but it's kind of more as a SWAT team. You know, it's kind of like a couple missions, like someone get kidnapped, they send him over there. You know, if they get a couple like pirates, like stalling, stalling something on, on the ships in Brazil, they send him. So, he, but he's still a, a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And the crazy thing, we, we, we're from the same town. Me, RDA, Thales Leches. So, we're from the same. Uh, it's a small town in, 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 in Rio. And uh, my my brother was best friends with, with RDA since they were in kindergarten. They were best friends, same class, until all the way maybe fifth, sixth grade. They were in the same class and best friends. So I know RDA for a long time. Already. He used to be my older brother, best friend. for. They still close friends, you know, but they were growing up, they were best friends for like over 10 years. That's such a strange coincidence, right? Like, I mean, of all the people, <laughs> to get into the UFC and to become a UFC champion. How many people are there like that in the world, right? And you've Crazy, known him for man. such a long time. That's so great. A lot of beasts on that city. We got me, we got RDA, we got my brother, uh, Ricardo Arona, Paulo Filho, Thales Leches. We got, and we got a couple more guys coming from that area. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing that. So in a perfect world, you, you just got surgery on your hand, you mentioned. When would you like to be back in there? Like, is there a, a perfect time frame? <laughs> Yeah, uh, doctor said 10 days. From today, 10 days, I'll be back in training, punching, doing everything. So July, getting in shape, I think September. Starting in September, any date's good. You know, September, October, November. I'm putting, like I said, I'm putting my eyes on Jorge Masvidal. That's the fight that I want. It's a big fight. I have a ton of respect to the guy. But if he's not available, I got to move on for that, you know, and see who's available. But if they ask me who I want, I would say, like Jorge Masvidal or Kobe Covington, those are my, my number one picks. There have been rumors that there was going to be an event in Fort Lauderdale sometime. Have they mentioned that to you? Because that would be the, the perfect event for you to headline, in my opinion. True, that would be huge here. We, anywhere in Florida here, he, he sold our arena 100%. The Brazilian community here is so big, especially they make me Masvidal here. Anywhere in Florida, sold out pay-per-view is going to be crazy. Like... Are we gonna put that that the arena, whatever it is, stadium is gonna be full? I don't know when, whenever they when when they have that date for it. It hasn't been booked yet, but they, it's rumored that they were looking at that as a potential host city. Full. If they do it, I'm guaranteed sold out. I don't know why there's no events in South Florida ever. I the, the UFC barely ever comes to South Florida. Yeah, they came here. They came here to to last time I fought. I fought Mike Davies. It was in the. Uh, UFC Sunrise with Jacare versus Hermanson. Supposed to be Jacare versus Joel Romero. Romero had to pull it out. But other than that, just go more to Jacksonville. I don't know. They come here to South Florida. We have the arena here for the for the the, the Miami Dolphins Stadium. We got a couple of good arenas here. I don't know. They should come more. I think people in South Florida. We have ATT, Sam for MMA, MMA Masters, and a lot of other dreams. I think will be will be crazy right here. All right, Gilbert. Well, hopefully you have something lined up soon. It's Gilbert Burns looking for a fight. It's a 365-day, well, 300 and whatever, whatever, minus the amount of days you're fighting per year. It's a 363 or 362-day-a-year show. Uh, always appreciate your time. Thank you for doing this. Look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you, Adam. Have a good one, brother. Jasmine Jazdavicius makes her second UFC appearance in Austin, Texas. Great place to, uh, to fight. A fantastic city. Taking on Natalia Silva. 
and she's been off for some time. Is it hard to train for an opponent like that? Yeah, I mean, it's different. You know, I I feel like it's back in the amateur days where you have no idea what's going on with any of uh, anyone you get matched up. You don't know how long they've been training. You know nothing about them. You just go in there and fight. I feel like it's like kind of like that again, um, which I mean I think is cool. I'm I'm happy about that. But yeah, we've been working everything this camp just because it, she. It's been two years since she since she fought. So uh, who knows what she has to offer? She could be a completely different fighter. I was gonna say you're not too far removed from fighting on the regional scene, where I imagine these kind of things happen all the time, where it's hard to even find tape on opponents. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it it is what it is. And I, I never really watch tape on my opponents too much anyways. So it's it's not that much of a difference to me. I mentioned Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm sure this is your first time fighting in the state of Texas. Are you excited about the city that this fight is in and getting to fight in front of a crowd? Yeah, I'm super excited. I uh, I've never been to Texas before, and uh, really really looking forward to it. I I feel like a Texas crowd is like my kind of crowd, and uh, so I think that they're gonna like me. I uh, I'm really looking forward to like you know doing a little bit of sightseeing around Texas after I'm I'm staying for like two or three days, gonna check out some things. But um, yeah, I'm really really looking forward to going to Texas. I'm glad you are because Austin is a terrible city for people that are cutting weight because there are so many bars and restaurants. And I think being there for two to three days, I think will be good because you can kind of navigate the city a little bit, take some notes as to where you want to go, and then you can enjoy. Yeah, exactly. I love food so much too. So it's going to be exactly what you said, like torture for, for the first little bit, but it'll be worth it in the end. It's also a big uh, music city. They've got South by Southwest. They're obviously not going on right now, but if you want to check out a concert, they're probably a good good place to be as well. Yeah, I I googled like what to do in Austin, Texas, and that was one of the one of the things that they said to, to check out. So we'll see how much time we got. Yeah, I was hoping this was going to be the uh, the July pay per view rather than Dallas being Austin because I've never been and I would love to go. I, I like Dallas though. Dallas is a good city, but. You know, I don't think anything beats Austin in the state of Texas in terms of the the culture and the food. Now, unfortunately, it looks like there's not going to be a pay-per-view in Toronto in September. There's been a bit of a yeah. hiccup. Uh, I know you were looking forward to fighting on that card, but um, now that you can really fight on any card beyond the one that you're going to be competing on soon, how soon would you like to get back into the cage if you end up winning this fight and uh, not getting you know injured or anything along those lines? Yeah, so, I mean, hopefully no injuries come out unscathed, and then I can have a quick turnaround. Um, but, yeah, my focus is, like, obviously just laser focus on this fight, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of uh, navigate things after to see what doors open up. Are your days of fighting at 115 over? I wouldn't say that they're over um, for the right opportunity. And I, if I have enough time, like I couldn't take a short notice at 115. But, um, but no, it's not out of the question. I, I could definitely suck myself down. I saw your interview with uh, James Lynch, and it seemed like you really lamented not getting to train with Ioana and Jaja, who was there for her camp at the American Top Team while you were there. Is she someone that you look up to in the sport that you'd like to get some rounds in with? You know, I, I don't know about in the cage, but at least in practice. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I've I've been watching her since since I started. I, you know, she's kind of like always been my favorite female fighter. And uh, so, like, you know, the one day we we're doing our like running around the mat, and she was in there, and she did like fist bump to me. I'm like, yes, you know, I'm in. <laughs> but you know, I I want to test my skills against her. I think she's super talented. I I think she's like one of the best in the world and um i i can't wait for for the fights this weekend but um but yeah i'm looking forward to going back to att at some point and uh you know put put myself into uh into an opportunity to get some work with her i'm sure people have mentioned that you guys have similar builds similar fighting styles <laughs> similar names so i imagine that that's probably one reason why you gravitate towards her <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. That whole JJ thing. I love it. <laughs> I didn't realize how much bigger she was than Zhang Veili because, I, I mean, they fought two years ago and I was there, but I saw them standing off and it seemed like Joanna's got like a pretty big height advantage over Zhang. I was actually thinking that too. I noticed she was wearing heels, so I don't know, or maybe it was like the camera angle, but it looked like she was a giant compared to her in the, in the particular video that I saw. And you're going down to Austin a little bit early. Uh, are you just doing that to get acclimated with the city? Uh, a little bit, and um, we're bringing a whole bunch of guys down. They're they're gonna do a bit of like a training camp out there. Like, you know, we have a great team, and we try to do team trips whenever we can. Um, so I'm fighting, so we figured, hey, you know, let's go down, take the opportunity that we have, and uh, and get some training in. So um, like Chris rented an Airbnb for the guys, and I think there's like. 12 or 14 of them all coming down and they're they're going to be training so i won't be able to see them too too much um during fight week i'll have my things to do but you know we'll be able to celebrate all together after and they're coming to the fight and uh i'm yeah i think it's going to be a, a great time for for both of us and you're staying at the host hotel then not at the airbnb yeah i'm staying at the host hotel i figure you know, it's, it's, it's easier, you know, I'll have, I'll, I'll have to do like the media and the photos and all that kind of stuff. So I don't want to be running around. We, we're going to get a rental car, but you know, just make it a bit easier. Stay at the hotel. Now, when we think of famous Lithuanians in the UFC, you will be on that list. I'm sure very, very soon, but Rosanama Yunus is the first one that comes to mind. And how frustrating was it to watch that fight? I, I've, I've been asking a lot of fighters this because I imagine everybody thought Rose was going to be able to do whatever she wanted against Carla Esparza. That's how I felt going into the fight, and I was uh, not shy to say it beforehand, but it just seemed like she was so uh, gun-shy in that fight and maybe gave Carla a little bit too much credit, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it, it, it breaks my heart because I think that she's going to be super upset with her performance only because... She didn't like give it her all, you know that, and I feel like that's like coming out of a fight. That's the last thing that you want. That you still had something in the tank that you could have gave. I think that's the the worst part of, about that fight. But I mean, you know, it's a learning opportunity, and um, I think she'll come back stronger. But you know, who knows what was going on, like in camp or mentally or what, whatever it may be. But. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought she was taking it. I thought it was going to be like not light work, but you know what I mean? Like 
my thought was let Carla take her down. And then she, I mean, her submission skills are so good that she probably could have done a lot of damage off of her back, you know, had she tried. But hey, I mean, I'm not in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, playing, yeah. or, I'm playing Monday morning quarterback here. But I just, just watching that fight and I was backstage at the event, I, I was just shocked at how that played out. And you're, you're the type of fighter that really likes to pour everything into a fight. I've never seen one of your fights where you left anything um, on the table at the end of a fight. Obviously, on the day of, anything can happen, and maybe you're not able to mentally show up that day, but I haven't seen it from you. Is that what your approach is going into this fight, is just pour everything out there? And obviously, a fight bonus would be something that would really make your life a lot better. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, uh, th- that's the last thing I want to do is go into a f- or come out of a fight and like not have tried my hardest like you know everything that I do in life everything that I preach is about you know try your hardest regardless of if it's right or wrong or whatever like just dive into something and try your hardest so if I'm going into a fight that's the most important thing you know that's going on in my life that this is the most important moment of my life so I'm gonna try my hardest at it and uh but yeah so that's (laughs) that's kind of uh kind of why i i guess my fighting style is what it is because i'm always trying do you have any sort of mental techniques or anything to get you hyped up for a fight when you're backstage like when you're about to go out there uh not not really i mean you know i i get ready like physically i i kind of just like talk to myself a little bit in my head like you know you're meant for this you got this like let's go your night like that kind of shit but um you know nothing not i don't have any like um rituals or anything like that now i ask you this every time we speak and i keep forgetting where we're at with this what's going on with the tattoo bet has the tattoo happened yet it hasn't it hasn't <laughs> happened yet but it is still gonna happen um we uh we're actually like going through and we were like finalizing a design and figuring out exactly how big how small where we're gonna get it done and everything but um yeah i i know it's so bad because like after a fight then i just like take some downtime and then i forget about it and then it's like i'm in camp i'm like i don't want to have to like do this right now so I know it's my fault that it hasn't been uh, hasn't been done yet, but I promise, I promise, before my next fight, it will be done. Well, I'm sure her friend's not the one pushing you to make it happen. I'm sure she's <laughs> exactly. happy to wait. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, we would love to make a sports center feature out of it if uh, if you're open to that. I think that that would be a fun of story course. to tell. Yeah, of course, one hundred percent. All right. Well, you are going to be taking on Natalia Silva. It's in Austin, Texas. We're looking forward to seeing you back in the cage. And thanks a lot for doing this. Awesome. Thank you so much. Always great chatting. Always a pleasure speaking to the big names of this sport. You had Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett, Adrian Yanez, Kevin Holland, Gilbert Burns, Jasmine Jasu the Vicious. I will get that right eventually. All join me on the show. Thank you to them. Best of luck to those who are competing this weekend. Not just the ones on the show, but everybody competing this weekend. Except for maybe Tony Kelly. But... Otherwise, best of luck to everybody competing this weekend. Okay, I shouldn't take a shot at old Kelly, at all Tony Kelly. I you know, wasn't happy with what he said a couple weeks ago, but uh, yeah, I, I wish no ill will on him. Although Adrian Yanez did come on the show, so you know, you, you always got to show a little bit of favoritism to those who give you their time. And Adrian Yanez is a good guy. You know, actually, when I rapped with Adrian Yanez, I mentioned to him that I did some research, of course, for like I do for all my interviews, by watching other people's interviews and seeing if I can grab any nuggets from those interviews. And Adrian Yanez 
has spoken to a lot of kind of smaller outlets or, or platforms that have people that are just getting into the space in uh, covering mixed martial arts. And I mentioned to him that it's ex extremely valuable to them to get the opportunity to speak with somebody the caliber of Adrian. I think Adrian's a massive up-and-comer. He's going to be a ranked bantamweight very soon, I would imagine, if he isn't already. But for a, a young upstart in this industry to get some time with somebody of his caliber, I think it goes a long way for giving them the confidence to continue to pursue their career. So I mentioned that to Adrian, and uh, he thanked me. And he actually mentioned, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to my fellow Canadian, James Lynch, who does a ton of great interviews. I mean, when I'm talking about doing research for interviews, James has probably spoken to them. The guy talks to everybody. But Adrian said that he really appreciated that James had spoken to him several times before he even made it to the UFC, that that went a long way with him. And uh, that, you know, that's one of the great things about what James does is he speaks to just about everybody. He's always doing interviews, getting to know all the different fighters and shining a light on their careers. So kudos to James. He does a fantastic job. I would recommend following him on, uh, on his YouTube page. Uh, it covers MMA for a variety of outlets. Uh, and a shout-out to Adrian for being so generous with his time to a lot of those that are just starting to get their feet wet in the industry. So kudos to him. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week with more interviews. I'll be uh, interviewing the two Canadians on the Bellator card. We have Mendel Nalo in the Bellator debut of Aaron Jeffrey. They'll both be on the show, as well as uh, a lot of the fighters in the upcoming Fight Night card headlined by Armand Sarukian and Mateusz Gamrot. So until then, enjoy the fights. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.